Hey everyone, and welcome back to our next episode of Journey Heart to Heart Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Larisha. And we're so excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much again. We're so excited. This is episode two. Eric, can you believe we made it to episode two? Hey, we are here. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> episode two. We're so excited to chat with you all again on this episode. Just sit back, relax. You are going to enjoy this journey with us as we just bear our souls once again. Yes, we are bearing our souls. And as you guys know, this is 2020. It is a new, the start of a new decade. Yes, for the new decade. <laughs> yes, 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 Woo! yes. Yes, so we are so excited. Um, Today, we're just going to kind of share with you guys some of our uh, moments that we had in the past decade. So we're going to look back over the things that happened in our lives, Um, you know, 10 years ago, you know, and kind of give you guys that that insight because we wanted to to let you guys know like we're we're doing this this podcast um as we shared many times before there's been so many trials and hurdles and things that we've experienced. And so in order for you to guys to really get a good understanding of where we are going forward, we have to kind of be able to share with you and be transparent and open up about where we've been, where we've um, kind of like where we've journeyed from um, in the past. And so today we just want to take the time to just look back over the last decade of our lives and share with you those those intimate, detailed moments and, and then give you guys some insight into um, where we kind of see ourselves moving um, forward with God. Yes, I'm so excited. I mean, Erica, can you believe we've literally just passed 10 years? I mean, just 10 years ago, I was trying to figure out (laughs) what college I want to go to. Do I still want to be in school? And here we are 10 (laughs) years later, and we praise God for it. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing, man. God is so good. He is. He He is is so good. Because I want to tell you right now, 10 years ago, if you asked that I would be sitting here doing a podcast. What? Doing a podcast? No, absolutely not. I would I would not. I'm like, what? Me? Uh-uh. Nah, sis. Nah. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So we thank God that he has uh, seen past our flaws, that he's seen past where we were in our current state back then and now has created a path for us moving forward. Amen. Amen. So you ready to get into this? Let's Russia? get into it. We're going to get into it. I mean, we're going to tell you everything so just sit back when i say we're going to bear our souls on this episode there's going to be some moments where you're going to have some ahas you're like oh wow i can't believe that happened but all in all we're, we're just so grateful that god has really shifted us in this last 10 years of our lives yes amen to god be the glory to god be the glory all right you guys so i'm gonna go ahead and start with my go ahead you got it sis you got it all right. people know where you've been all right here we go. So for me, you guys, um, 2010 was really a turning point in my life. I would say, you know, I, I graduated from college, undergraduate in December 2008. So with that, you know, I'm the type of person where I've always had a plan for my life. Like I was structured detail-oriented, like, I got this plan. I always had my five-year plan, 10-year plan, like, I'm going to be married by 23. I'm going to have my doctorate by the time I'm 25. Like, I am going to be, you know, a mom um, by this this certain age. And, uh, you know, right after I graduated, I was accepted into this, uh, master of accounting program like on a provisional basis and um I, I i went to the program it was at georgia southern i went to the program i've never been a really good test taker standardized test taker so for me you know being accepted provisionally that was a way for me to go and show that like hey i'm a i'm a good student you know i can excel in the classroom um and you know at the end of this um, provisional period, then I would be able to be admitted fully into the program to continue once I could receive my uh, master's degree. Well, about a year into that program, um, because I was doing a forensic accounting track, um, I had to take undergraduate level classes. So that's why I was able to kind of like, um, 
extend the program for a year, but really it was only supposed to be for three graduate level courses. And I took the um, undergraduate level classes in addition to the graduate level classes and I finished, I did well. Um, and so I was expecting to be admitted into the program on a full-time admissions basis. However, that did not happen. Um, and it was just like during the year 2009, there was just so much um, going on to where my life just was not going the way that I had planned. Um, I wasn't uh, being allowed admission into full, full-time admission into the program. Um, I didn't, the relationships uh, that I w- was in, they just they were horrible. I was in a whole lot of situationships that were just horrible. Just things were not going as planned for me at all. And I just did not know how to feel. Like I was just at the end of my ropes. And I remember um, in December of 2009, having to pack up my apartment at the time um, and move back to Columbia, South Carolina with my mom. So this is having from someone who had been living alone since, um, or, you know, out of the house since graduating from high school and starting undergrad to now going back home to live with my mother and didn't necessarily really have a plan because everyone had knew me as, you know, just an ambitious, intelligent, just driven young lady um, who I graduated from college when I was 20 um, and I started graduate school at 20 as well. So it was just, you know, everyone kind of knew me as someone who was going to do something and, and who knew who had a plan and who was going to succeed. And having come back home, it just felt like I failed. Um, I didn't have a plan. Like I didn't know really what I was going to do. I didn't know what was next. And so um, during that time that I was home, I say during that spring of uh, 2010, I spent a lot of my time, um, I uh, interned for a nonprofit organization. And so um, I spent a lot of time with my mom and um, I spent a lot of time just really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I remember that summer, like, and I also was still studying. So I was still studying to try to take the GMAT so that I could go back to Georgia Southern and finish the program. So I was studying, um, I was interning at this nonprofit organization. Um, during that summer, I got exactly the score that I needed to go back to the program so that I could finish. Or they, they said I needed a 430. I took the test. I got exactly a 430. So I packed up my car and I moved right back to Statesboro, Georgia. Mind you guys, I didn't talk to any, I didn't call any administrators to say, hey, I got this score. Like, can I come back and complete the program? Like, I just packed up my car. I found someone in Statesboro that I could um, sublease an apartment from, put down a little deposit sublease from them. And that following, what, Monday that the office was open, I went to them and I said, hey, I made a 430. I'm ready to enroll in these summer classes so I can finish this program. And the lady looked at me like I was crazy. She was like, oh, no, you need higher than that. And I was like, uh, but before I left, y'all told me that I only needed a 430. I have a 430. So I need to finish this program. <laughs> and they were like, um, she was just like, no, that's not going to work. And so that was like, I don't know. That was a heartbreaking. That, that, that hurt. Uh, Cause again, like I felt like, okay, I got it. Now I can get back on track with my plan, but it just, it didn't work. And so I remember talking to a friend who had a uh, master of public administration degree. And so he was telling me, you know, hey, Erica, well, what is it that you really want to do? And I told him, you know, I want to become an accountant for the federal government. And he was telling me, okay, well, you already have your undergrad in accounting. um, So you don't necessarily need 
a master's in accounting if that's what you want to do is like there's this program called uh, the master of public administration that helps prepare you to be a um, public administrator and, and the classes that it provides um, allows you to kind of gain insight on what it takes to actually um, you know be an administrator in the field of public administration um, you know and so I was like oh okay I've never even heard of this program like let's let's see and so because he was a graduate of that program at Georgia Southern he was able to um, introduce me to the dean of that program and so I was able to talk to the dean and kind of see whether or not that would be a good fit for me and he did uh, he did agree that it would um, and they were willing to work with me. However, they would not accept my GMAT score. So I would need to take the GRE. And I was like, oh man, another test. Why? Why? And so um, at that point, I had already missed the uh, cutoff for the fall admission um, for that program. So I would have to Again, pack up my car, move back home to Columbia, South Carolina, and then take the time to really um, study for the GRE so that I could apply for the spring admission. Um, so this is all in the summer of 2010 that I'm going through all of this. And so packed up my car, moved back home. Um, and I ended up finding an internship at a CPA firm just to make sure like that I did not want to do, you know, um, that public accounting that I wanted to make, do work within the, um, federal, um, public sector of accounting. And so, um, I did that and I remember in August, my mom invited me to a Bible study and it was a Bible study at one of her friends' house. And so I was like, Bible study at somebody's house, mom? Like, okay. Like growing up, that's what we, like my mom would always be at someone's Bible study at a friend's house. Like they, they would rotate houses. Um, and so I was used to going to them. Um, but just at that point, um, I, I don't know why I agreed, but I did. And I'm really thankful that I did because I feel like that was one of those turning points in my life that, that really allowed me to just know and understand that like while I'm sitting here trying to plan all these things out and God like truly does have a plan for me. So in going to the Bible study, we went, they had praise and worship sessions, um, and there was this, uh, prophet there, um, from, um, another country. Um, he used an interpreter. He spoke Spanish. He used an interpreter. And so he was going around from individual to individual, just offering up, um, a prophetic word, just sharing whatever God downloaded on his heart to share with the individual that was before him. And so, um, when he got to me, he was saying, you know, Hey, a lot of people, are asking you, you know, what do you want to do? Uh, but God is saying, I want to know what you're going to do for me. And in that moment, I was just like, wow, like, God, you have a plan for me. Like, I've heard it so many times. We hear Jeremiah 29, 11 all the time, you know, for um, I have, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Um, but to really like hear in that moment, that God had a plan for me that like really perked up my ears. Um, and then he was saying, you know, God sees you as a woman of God, a princess. And in these, and in, in, in this moment, you guys, I probably, I, I was in a situation ship at that time. Like I probably the night before had just had sex. Um, and, and even in the midst of all that, even in the midst of, of everything, that I was doing, God still saw me as a woman of God. He still saw me as his daughter, his princess. Um, and so that really just like, I don't know, that touched me in a way to just know like he really loves me. Yeah. Like, and I really just experienced his love in that moment. Um, and it, it was real to me in that moment because that man didn't know me. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't know you know, anything about me, but to say, you know, all these people are asking you, what are you doing? 
or, or what do you want to do? And, and, you know, God's saying this um, to you. And he went on to just share and download so many things that I've wanted to do since I was a little child. But as I grew older, it just was like, you know, I kind of laid those things aside or I just left them alone and didn't think like it would be possible. So I started to focus on other things. And um, I don't know, it, it, that, that was just a moment that really just just woke me up um, to, to really realize that there was a plan for my life and that God truly did um, love me and care for me. And he valued me and, um, just really turned things around so that I could begin to see myself as he saw me. And so, I mean, the next day I was at the bookstore with my mom, just buying all kinds of prayer books and, um, books on purity, because I, I remember one of the things that, God said to me in that moment was, you know, hey, I have all these things I want to do for you, but I need you to avoid distractions and focus. And when he said that distractions, I knew he meant the means. Yes. <laughs> I knew he meant, I knew that's what he meant. And so I was just like, okay, you know, right. Yeah. You know what, Lord, I've been doing it my way for so long. And clearly my life is in utter chaos right now. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to do this your way, Lord. I surrender. I'm going to do it your way. And I will tell you that that was the start of me really like desiring to be saved, like me really beginning to walk out um, salvation and really allowing God to just have his way um, in my life. And I'm going to tell you guys, like it started off, I started off, I had the best intentions. Um, but you know, as the months progressed, like I was, and when I told you guys, I was talking to someone then I told them, um, right after that, like, Hey, we can't talk anymore. Like I'm trying to live my right, like live my life right for God. Like I can't be messing with you no more. Like we got to stop this. But, um, I, that was in what August. And then I think later in October or so, I found out that I got accepted into the uh, MPA program. So that January of 2011, I actually started back at Georgia Southern um, in their program, in the MPA program. And um, things were going well for a while. And, you know, the flesh started to rear up again. I met someone there um, and they knew um, that I was practicing abstinence at the time. Um, and so we were genuinely really good friends. We just started off as genuinely really good friends. Um, but then again, you know, flesh got in the way. It was real. Like, flesh is real. And so we felt, like, well, I feel. Um, um, and just just got caught up in that cycle again. But I had to get to a point to where... Um, I realized that it was because I was trying to do it in and of my own mind and I wasn't really allowing God to like lead me and guide me in that thing. And I wasn't being honest with myself and I was still allowing myself to be in situations, place myself in situations where I know like, okay, sis, um, what you think going to happen? Like, right. y'all really going to be Netflix and chilling or, um, is, is a little more going to happen here? Like, right. do you are in your mind coming into this situation, are you thinking like, oh, okay, well, it's okay if we do this because that's not going to be, you know, that's, this is not going to happen or whatever. Like, no, like, and just really realizing that I wasn't um, being honest with myself in those moments. And so um, I did. I struggled a lot in the beginning uh, with with my uh, celibacy. Um, but... Once I got to a point of just really saying, hey, you know what, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I know that God has a plan for my life. I know that, like, what I'm doing is is not in alignment with his plans. I know that if I continue to go down this path, I'm going to miss out on the things that he has for me. Um, and I know I can't do it alone. And so... Just getting to a place where I was just really honest and saying, you know, enough is enough. Um, that's when things were able to just really take a turn for me to where I could actually be ser serious about 
uh, my celibacy. And so I want to say it was in September of 2011 when I just finally made the decision that I would not have sex anymore. And so that was over eight years ago. Praise God. Praise the Lord, my sister's still praise holding God. on I'm strong. Still, I'm still holding on. Y'all pray for me. Um, but yeah, still holding on. Um, but yeah, so it was just that that was one of those moments. And um, I will say, like, since then, since making that decision in 2011, I would all I would share like every year. Um, I would share what I learned. And for me, some of the biggest lessons that I've have have learned during my celibacy, um, that first year was like, hey, you really can do it. Like you can go a year without having sex, girl. Woo, you did it. Like, yes. Then that that following year was okay, you know what? You can go um out to eat on your own. You can go watch movies on your own. You can be alone. Just because you're alone, it doesn't mean like you're you're um you're 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 lonely or you're anything like this because God is with you. Mm-hmm. You have friends. You have um you know people that can uh hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to feel as though like you're alone and you're going to always be alone or you you know you um aren't going to find someone special. Like you can enjoy your your company now. Um being single is a gift and I think a lot of times um we are so like we're so infatuated with like that next level or that next thing like we can never really be content and focused in and enjoy where we are like right now and so i feel like that's been the gist of like the the past 10 years for me like really just enjoying where I am in that current moment, being content and really just, just looking at God to like, know that like not one thing is going to bring me happiness. Like because of God, I can feel, I can feel and experience the fullness of joy. Um, I don't have to have a certain degree. I don't have to have a certain career. I don't have to have a, a man. Um, I have everything I need in God. And all these other things are just just added benefits. Um, And so, man, like, I I feel like that that's really been like the, the, the main points of like. My last decade. <laughs> okay. That's really been like the main points of like my last decade of really getting in a, getting to a place of just being content and um releasing some fears. I know that's been a big thing for me. Just releasing fears um of being because there's been so many things that God has called me to walk away from. Mm-hmm. Even I'll share one huge thing um over the past um I would say in 2018 so I denounced a sorority um and 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 I want to say during 2013 just just as a part of my my salvation so there's there's been over the past 10 years it, it started off gradually so what started off as first um practicing abstinence and then it was um, becoming a vegetarian and then slowly over time, um, taking steps towards becoming a vegan. And it was just different areas of where, um, I've just experienced, um, trying to think of a word, like a good word. It was just, just like, just experience like growth and evolution of transformation. just transformation. Yeah, transformation. There mm-hmm. we go. Just experience transformation of my life and just things that um just releasing things that I I felt like I did not need. Um 
and, 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 and releasing things so that I could be closer and grow closer to God. And so in 2013, um, there was this young, there was this gentleman who I went to high school with, who was an ex Omega. And he shared with me this sermon on idolatry within, uh, Greek organizations. And so in him sharing that message with me, um, I remember the, the scripture stand, standing out and how, you know, God has called us to love him with our mind, our body, our soul, with everything completely um, in us. And so in a lot of the rituals and in a lot of the chants and the things that um, we said in our sorority, it was how we were um, giving all of our mind, our peace, our happiness to this entity when God really requires all of that from us. And then there would be even um, things in a ritual that said how we are to embody these different characteristics of this Greek God that was on the very top of our shield. Um, when, you know, God's word says, hey, no, I uh, don't have any other gods before me. You're to reverence me and me alone. Um, and there are just so many other things within that Bible study. And then just me just taking an in-depth look at you know, why, um, I reverence, um, that sorority and why I placed that, that Greek, um, organization, um, at, at such a high esteem, uh, in my life. And, uh, it was just, you know, to a point to where I realized that I had to just let it go. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't worth, um, me, being attached to it anymore like I if I truly said that you know I'm a follower of Christ and I surrender everything to God he has to have my everything I can't mm -hmm. there's no um you know the 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 Bible says um that you either love love the master or hate the master what you serve yeah we'll have to serve. Can't, serve two masters. can't serve two masters you either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other um and so yeah I had to let it go so in 2013 I did spiritually denounce my sorority and then in 2018 so a few years later um I met these women um, who had denounced the same sorority and they let me know that there was an official withdrawal process for it. And so I actually completed that uh, withdrawal process. And so at that time, it was, all right, now you've spiritually denounced. Um, you know, you're, my friends, a lot of my friends knew, um, a lot of my family knew at that point, but I didn't, make a announcement of it until 2018 when I received the official papers. And, and, um, I know a lot of people are like, okay, well, if you, you denounce, you know, that should be between you and God. Why do you have to tell others? But when I joined the sorority, it wasn't just between me and God. It was, we had a whole probate show. We had, you know, announcements and I made posts on social media and everything like that. And so I didn't want anyone to, and then also at that same time, people were, um, in the past when different rush seasons and stuff would come up, they would send uh, emails and letters and say, Hey, can you write me a letter? This, that, and the third, that, that, that. And so I didn't want anyone to think that I was still affiliated with something that I was not. And so I wanted to make that announcement, the same boldness that I had in entering, I wanted to have that same boldness, um, in exiting. And so I shared, uh, my testimony on my social media pages, um, just to let people know, because over the past 10 years, like I said, like I've been very um, transparent in sharing my journey and sharing the things that um, God had delivered me from. Um, so with the um, fornication, uh, with um, anger, with pride, with um, 
anxiety, um, with grief, having lost my father at an early age. And there were still some areas in which I really didn't fully grieve his death. And so in sharing those different areas in my life and being open and being transparent, I didn't want that to be something that I, I kind of swept under the rug. And so I shared my testimony on social media and I let people know. And when, when you're taking a bold stand for Christ, there can be there could be so many different responses um, that you could receive because uh, you because you know like when you're just standing for God, you just never know um, the type of responses that that you could receive. And so um, I said all that to say that <laughs> over the course of my life, there have been so many decisions that I've made where I've been making them for Christ that haven't necessarily um, been popular decisions, but I am standing for Christ. Like at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, I'm standing for Christ and I'm going to always stand for Christ. And I don't, I don't care um, about appeasing others. Um, I just care about just really living a life for Christ. Um, at the end of the day, and I don't always get it right. Sometimes I make the wrong decisions, but my heart is in the right place. And so um, as we kind of move forward in this uh, podcast, I just want you guys to know, like, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done, um, but just know that God truly loves you and he has a plan for your life. And um, I know we hear it so often, we hear it so much, but he truly does have a plan for your life. And he wants to use everything that you've experienced because even if you think that, you know, oh, no one, um, no one's going to understand this or, or this, this might not affect anyone. This won't impact anyone. Um, it will, you, if you are just really just, um, decide to just, I mean, you don't, you don't, even if you don't want to use your plat, use a platform such as this, you don't, I'm not saying you necessarily have to create a plat, uh, podcast or you have to um, go and post everything that you've done on social media, but even through just sharing the, in an intimate, you know, one-on-one conversation with someone, or if someone comes to you and they're telling you about these things that's going on in their lives and they feel like they're alone or they're at the end of their rope or they don't have any hope, you can share with them the things that you've experienced just to let them know like, Hey, God is real. God loves you. Um, you don't have to feel hopeless. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you guys just to know, just to hang on in there. Just keep trusting God, keep believing God, um, because he really does have a great plan for your life. And, um, these last 10 years have been, have been, woo. A roller coaster of a ride, you guys. I'm gonna be honest. This has been a roller coaster of a ride. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, but there's definitely been some great moments. And there's been some moments where I know like God's hand truly was on me and God mm-hmm. protected me and kept me from a lot of things. Um, and so I just know that going forward in this next decade, that he's gonna be glorified and he's gonna continue to keep me, he's gonna continue to protect mm-hmm. me. And um he he is I'm excited. I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah. So I know like those who have sown in tears will reap in joy, right? That's right. Sound good to me. It sounds good. Sound <laughs> good. It sounds that sounds good. Hey, that sounds good. So we're gonna go with that. Um but yes, you guys, I am excited and I would um Love to hear about your past 10 years, Larisha. Yes. Can you just share share that with us? Excuse me, yes. Okay. If I had one word to describe my last 10 years, I probably would say flexibility. Mm -hmm. And I just thought of that as I was sitting here listening to you like, you all do not understand that the woman who's sitting next to me, I mean, I've heard Erica share her story countless times, but as she was sharing her story, I was like, wow, God, like... Some of the things that she's experienced were some of the same things that I experienced as far as education-wise and, and thinking that, hey, I'm going to be in this amazing program. And then I get there, I you know, I did all this stuff. I get to the school. 
So let me do a backtrack. So I started out at University of Maryland Eastern Shore around that time. And I had found out that I wanted to, to continue to pursue this dream that I had when I was 17 of getting into the music industry and having my own record label. I know a record label. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. And I found out in about 2010 that the University of Maryland College Park had a program, a, a music business program that they were starting in the spring of 2011, I believe, if I can recall correctly. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into this program. I got the grades. I'm going to be set. I applied to the school. They said, you can't get into the program just yet, but we'll accept you in the school. I said, okay, no problem. I'll go in the semester, take the classes that I need to take. It was like one math class I needed to take. Took the math class and I passed it. But when I got to the school and I really sat down with an advisor, I remember them telling me that looking at the grades and the classes that you have set yourself up when you came in here, there's a slim chance of none that you will ever make it into this program that you want to get into. And I said, what in the world? Who, he don't know me. He didn't know me. I didn't know Jesus at the time, but he doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I'm capable of. But I remember leaving that office and I called my mom when I was walking back uh, to, to my next class. And I was like, you know what, this man, this white man, I'm sorry. He told me that I will never make it in this program. And it just took a blow to me because growing up over the years, I really prided myself. And even people who knew me, I was the Larisha who excelled in everything. Like I got the A's and the B's. I was one of the ones that people, they were looking at my paper in school just to make sure that they got their answers right. Because I felt like I knew so much. So I was like, now you're telling me that I'm I'm incapable of getting into this program. So I stuck it out at College Park. Unfortunately, I did not get into that program. So I had to come up with another degree. So the next thing on my list was economics. I don't know how I got to economics <laughs> from business and, you know, wanting to be in the music industry to economics. But I went into economics because I thought that was the next thing because I was like, oh, I like numbers. Boy, I shouldn't have thought of that because then I had to take calculus right. and then I had to go in these classrooms Ooh. where there were 300 people and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to talk to the teacher or get some study time in with anybody with 300 people in the class. So that didn't work out. And I was telling my mom, like, I don't know what I'm going to do because we didn't spend all this money on these schools. I have to finish this degree. I've come too far. I've gone through too much. I have to finish this. So then we was down to, well, let's, I looked at the other courses I was taking and I came across African American studies, public policy. So it's like, God, I, I went from wanting to be in the music industry. Now I'm thinking I could up here forecast statistics and all this stuff. And now I'm looking at African American studies, public policy. So I actually finished that program. I got my degree, my undergrad degree in 2011. And I was so frustrated with myself because I felt like I was a Larisha who had everything like a plan. I had everything in order. I knew I was going to be done on this semester, but I ended up having to finish at least a year later than I expected. And I was looking at all of my friends and they graduated before me and I felt so, I felt incompetent. I felt like a failure, but it was only under my expectations. No one else thought I was a failure or anything like that. But if I could really be transparent with you all, as I was going through that process, this is when I began to began to date. And I had met someone for the first time. I had I could be honest with you all, I didn't knew nothing about really relationships. I, you know, I watched my friends, I watched who they dated and so forth. And I was like, you know what? I'm a nice person. No one's gonna treat me bad. Boy, was I naive. <laughs> I had did some stuff. I mean, just the just the first time that I had really connected with the guy. I just knew that, you know, he going to see the good in me. I'm going to see the good in him and everything's going to be everything. But that became a, a literally a four year situationship where I just really allowed myself to just believe that what I was getting was enough. Mm. Um, and I just felt so broken. I felt so lost. But even before then, I was using things and people, using my education, using the fact that I now had this man in my life to really fill the void of me uh, not having what was missing. And that was God. I didn't have mm -hmm. God at the time. So this whole education thing that became my drive, that whole relationship situationship thing that became my point of reference, what I thought that I needed so that I could feel like validated or feel like I was a woman and feel like I was loved, but really God is love. And it wasn't until I probably started connecting with coworkers at work who were older than me and they just wanted to know about 
you know, my journey and who I was and what I was going through. And I began to tell them about my journey and, and my experiences of dealing with being molested at, at five years old. And, and was when I began to really talk about that part of my life, that's when I knew that there was going to be some changes happening. I didn't know how fast, I didn't know what it was going to look like, but now I was ready to, to open up. And I recall that I had um, a moment when I was at my desk and a coworker said, Larisha, I just want to pray for you. And I was like, whoa, I never really had anyone say, hey, I just want to pray for you. And it was in that moment where she began to pray with me, I felt a level of conviction. I didn't know what conviction meant at the time, but I felt a level of conviction. I said, you know what? I really needed that. Thank you so much. There's something different. There's something shifting happening. Didn't know what it meant, but I went home and I told my mom like, hey, I want to go to church with you on that Sunday. Mind you, up until that point, I had not stepped foot in a church maybe 10 plus years at that point. And, um, and I knew that my mother was probably excited because like, wow, my daughter wants to go to church with me. And all be all those Sunday mornings, she'd be like, you want to go to church? I'll be like, absolutely not. I'm good, love. We're going to be fine. I'm good. Pray for me. I know the Lord is real. However, I just wasn't in a place where I was ready to receive him yet because I felt that the, the stuff that I was doing and the things that I've been through, who would love me? Who would want to? But that's, that devil is a liar. Amen. And I just thank God that I had enough sense and he had enough patience enough to work with me as I began that journey. And I remember the day um, when my aunt, my late aunt had uh, said, you know what, there's this lady in our church. She's a, she's a minister, youth pastor, and she will love, she's a really good person you could talk to. And I was like, yeah, y'all don't know my dirt. I'm not about to sit here and tell this lady all of my shenanigans. <laughs> and then that, again, that was me being, you know, walking in that self-condemnation, thinking that I was going to be judged when the, it was the complete opposite that happened. She, she embraced me, you know, I told her, you know, I'm looking forward to to doing something different. You know, I've never done this before, but here's where I'm at. She's like, absolutely, I'll walk with you, I'll talk with you, but you're not alone in this journey. And what I appreciate most about her um, was the fact that she allowed me to be me. And that was the first time where I was in someone's presence where I felt safe, where I felt comfortable enough to say, hey, this happened to me and it hit close to home and I don't know really know who to tell but now you know my secret. And now you know, um, again, in my eyes, I'm not perfect. So for me, that journey of accepting Christ and, and you know, walking at, walking down that aisle, that was one of, I will never forget that Sunday. I just remember like today's the day. Like I said, Lord, the night before, I was hanging out with my friends and we got into a, a little car accident. I said, God, oh, I'm really going to church tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You saved me from this car accident. Mm -hmm. Because my friends don't had no clue that I was praying before I even have gotten the car with them. Like, Lord, please make sure we be safe tonight. And I knew we were going to be hanging out. But that accident could have been fatal. It could have been worse. But we were able to walk away with no hurt, harm, or danger. And okay. I said, oh, God, next Sunday, I, I'm, I'm going to run down the aisle if you let me. <laughs> but I got to that church house and, and I went down that aisle. The whole service, I was crying. I was crying during their announcements. Who cries during announcements? They were rolling through the announcements and I was just crying because I knew that was the moment that God had really pricked my heart and God had touched my heart and that now I was ready to receive him um, at that point. So I remember walking down that aisle. It was one of the, the most scary, but one of the most freeing walks I've ever had in my entire life because I knew that my life would not be the same anymore after that point. And I mean, I can say the rest is history from that moment on. I, I got like Erica, I got so excited. I wanted to read all the books. I wanted to be at Bible study. I wanted to, to know the word. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this, God. I'm not going to entertain these men. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do all these things that I used to do. I'm going to be careful about the, the conversations that I'm going to have with people and so forth. But oh, life happened and things settled in and, <laughs> It was good. I was in that little um, spiritual honeymoon stage where I was so excited, sold out for Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then the enemy also knew that, you know, I had some, some skeletons in my closet mm -hmm. and that all it took was just one conversation. All it took is one look. All it took is, you know, just one one moment and then I felt myself backtracking. Mm -hmm. So even in the midst of me saying, you know what, God, I trust you. I love you. I'm ready to do this walk with you. I still was still engaged in a situationship. 
I still was entertaining the foolishness. I still was having sex even after I said, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And every single time I would have sex with that guy, immediately after I would feel convicted. Right. Immediately. He would be like, what happened? I'd be like, you have to go. Like, <laughs> I should just stop talking. I didn't want to be bothered anymore because I knew that I had disappointed God. I had went against what I had promised him. Mm -hmm. And it was hard a lot of those times in the beginning because I was like, man, Larissa, you know better. Like, first of all, he don't even really want you. He just wants your body. Right. And he's made that very clear to you. But yet you can't see that this is really a game. Like, you're not going to get anything good out of this situation because it's a situationship. It's not a relationship at right. all. He wasn't created to be your husband and you were not created to be his wife. Um, so that whole period of me just still fooling around with him, but still trying to play church, still trying to pray God. But at the same time, even in the midst of my transgressions, I still wanted on this journey of being able to say, you know what, God, please help me to overcome this molestation that I incurred or dealt with or been experiencing over the course of my life because I had not disclosed it with anyone. I had not gone through counseling at that point, but he allowed me to really in that season to center me with people who I could trust, people who I could vent to, people who who just wanted to be around me because they knew that, you know, I was a genuinely a nice person, but I just needed some guidance. I needed someone to walk with me. Mm -hmm. So I was grateful for the people that God had aligned me in the beginning part of the last decade. And the first couple of years of my walk with God, it, i got to be honest, it was not easy. Mm -hmm. I still was out there living my life, living right. my best life, but still... I, I found my way to get to church. I still found my way um, to press my way there. Mm -hmm. But the interesting part or the beautiful part about all of that is there were moments where I knew that I still was near to God because he was near to me. And I remember the prayers that I would pray. And I remember looking back recently at the journals that I used to write. And I would be like, God, I started off this journal writing and it sounded like it was a deep uh, from a dark place. But then there would be a shift in the midst of me writing where there would be some light and that there would be some opportunity for me to, to encourage myself. And then that's when he really gave me the gift of being able to, to write. Mm -hmm. And to really be able to to share poems and to be able to talk about my experiences freely. Because if anyone really knows me, I'm an introvert. I'm not the talker. I'm not the one that you're going to hear all the time. But when it comes to writing, there's just another side of me where I'm able to just freely be transparent, freely be myself, and just be free in God. So he has been allowing me to be able to share my testimony um, of his faithfulness, of his goodness, and how I've walked through this journey with him through writing still in the midst of me doing that I still had this other side to me that very few people knew and then that's when I began to start filling these voids because when we really if we really want to be honest when you really begin to pull back the band-aid off of a situation of a wound that has been just kind of left untreated I really began to like see so much stuff oozing out so the shame, the guilt, the frustration came out, the, the the brokenness came out. And I had no, I really, at that time, I didn't have a, a clue or a context of how I can properly cope with the devastation of me now realizing that I've been molested because mm -hmm. I suppressed it for so many years. So in the midst of me going through counseling, yeah, counseling was great. Yes, counseling is amazing. But at that point, I didn't know how to really understand a better way or another way of how to cope what I was going through. So I began to pick up the alcohol even more. I mean, when I say I was drinking, I was drinking. I was the life of the party. My friends came over to my house. People who had refrigerators full of food, I had a refrigerator full of alcohol because that's mm -hmm. what I wanted. And they knew that every Friday you can come over because we're going to turn up. And then it began to, me began to pick up smoking marijuana. And I remember I was like, what the heck am I doing? How did I get here? <laughs> but I, again, I became the life of the party. And I, and I would sit back and I would say, yo, my friends, they really sat here and they watched me go through this. And I'm not, you know, I'm not faulting them for anything because we're all grown and we all have our journeys. But I really was using drugs and alcohol and, of course, sex to mask and to suppress what mm -hmm. I was going through. Mm -hmm. But I'm so grateful to God that he... Um, saw fit to not leave me where I was and even in the midst of that I, he still extended me grace and grace and mercy yes. 
So I'm grateful to God that I had got a clue after a while, like, hey, you know, this isn't really what you want for your life. You know, Mm -hmm. these men that you started, because after that situation, after that first situation, I then entered into another. Mm-hmm. Then I went back to that same person mm-hmm. and then I ended up getting into a whole nother situation ship. And it was just me just not really being happy with who I am and, and who God had created me to be. And, and it was so unfortunate, but of course, looking back on it now, I'm grateful and I can accept the fact that I went through it because I wouldn't be the woman that I am today had I not gone through it. Um, but it was just a hard, a hard, rough season from that perspective I mean I had other things that were going on work was going great I was getting promoted all these other great things were happening externally but internally I was literally dying I was dying I was literally walking I was walking dead I was really walking dead and if I wasn't careful I could have found myself being someone's mother I could have picked up an STD or even HIV I mean I could have a child with someone who didn't love me let alone just a child just because Mm. I mean that's how serious and that's how low that I got that I was okay with having uh, sex unprotectedly because I thought that that was I was gonna be able to keep them and yeah Mm. I said that I, I really did stuff like that knowing what I knew um that comes with the ramifications of having sex unprotectedly and it was just so un- unfortunate that I had allowed myself to get to that point. But I thank God for the shift. And if I could be honest with you, it is if when you get to a place when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, mm-hmm. you're going to do something different. Right. And it wasn't until about 2014, 15-ish. That's when I said, you know what? I can't do this no more. This whole drinking, this whole smoking thing. I have to get serious about this walk because I I cannot sit here and blame what happened to me at five for the reason why I'm still acting like I don't have any sense today. Mm. So I have to do something different. If I'm going to tell people that God is real, that God is love and that God can do anything mm-hmm. and I'm up here promoting God and, and, and exalting him in front of all these people, yes. I have to also still be living what I'm saying. Right. So it was a moment where I said, you know what, God, I need to go on a closer walk and a closer journey with you. And that means I'm really going to have to let some stuff go. Mm-hmm. So I went on this whole surrender journey and I let all of that stuff go. I had to, because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have met Erica. I would not be here today. I wouldn't have this ministry. I wouldn't have <laughs> no books. People would just say, oh, Larissa, she was just a nice girl. She's a nice girl. She quieted her. But... I would not be in this, be able to walk in the fullness and the freedom that God has given me today had I not said no. And when I, if I can, I keep saying if I can really be honest because a lot of times people don't want to talk about, you know, giving up things and and being able to walk a journey of being celibate. And, and, you know, when you're used to being able to just freely come and go as you please and have whoever you want and, and to be able to drink and smoke and do whatever you want because this is what the rest of the world is doing. Right. I had to be bold enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I know other people that they're still doing that. And yes, that's that's what they're doing. I'm not going to judge them. But I know what the plans that God has for me. Mm-hmm. And this ain't it, sis. Right. So if this is not going to be it, then I have to be willing to say, you know what, God? I trust you even though this is going to be uncomfortable. And he really did take me through a period where he purged me of a lot of stuff. So we not only did I have to get purged of the external um, things that I was using, like the drug, the alcohol, and sex, but then he began to shift me um, internally about how I viewed myself mm-hmm. and what I thought of myself. Mm-hmm. And because the enemy really kept me bound and had me thinking that I was disgusted that I should be walking around in shame. I mean, this is incest that happened. No one's going to want you. This is the things that the enemy would tell me that mm-hmm. you're going to keep this secret to the day you die. You're going to be, you know, this is what it's going to be. And that's it. But God said, no, there's another plan that you're going to, you're going to be able to help your family get out of this. You're going to be able to be a voice for people. And I appreciate the fact that I keep saying God didn't leave me where I was. The Bible Mm -hmm. said that he will never leave nor forsake you. I'm still quoting that to this day because I have to remember that even though I go through things in life, he will never leave nor forsake you. And even though situations happen and we don't understand like, God, why did this happen to me? Sometimes it happens not just for you, but to help someone else. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning even in this season and as I've gone forward that, you know, a lot of times when I go through stuff, it's just not for me to keep quiet. 
So even in this walk in these last 10 years, me, me telling you before that I'm very, you know, I'm introverted, I'm shy, I don't speak a lot. When it comes to speaking about God and what he's done in my life, there's a shift that takes place because I know that there's someone out there in the world who's gone through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And who am I to sit here with my mouth closed and pretend like there, I don't have an answer. Like I don't have all the answers, but I know who I can point you to who does have the answer. So that's, you know, a part of my walk and a part of the ministry that God is, you know, gracing me to be able to have is to be able to freely share, you know, what I've gone through, but also to provide you with some tools to provide you with some recommendations as to, you know, here's what you can do to get out of it. Like, you don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be stagnant. Yes, I understand life, you know, happens, but it's it's really how you, how you again, be, again, be flexible. Mm-hmm. I've really had to be flexible in these last, last 10 years to be able to get before people and to tell them about all of the trials that I've been through and mm-hmm. then have to look at the people who did it to me mm-hmm. at the same time and still have a smile on my face and still give God praise, still give God glory. And I have to look at the people who have offended me, who have hurt me, who have abused me, who have mistreated me. And I still have to send you the same grace and the same love that God extends to me day in and day out. Yeah. So I just thank God that um, he has really truly had his hand on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Erica mentioned before about going on her celibacy walk. I remember the day where I said, God, enough is enough. I'm, you know, I can't do this whole, um, having sex, fornicating, having these men in and out of my place. I mean, I remember the day that I was dealing with a drug dealer and how crazy that was. Like, yes, sis, I was dealing with a drug dealer. I can't believe it myself. You know, having to look over your shoulder thinking who's going to be watching you. If the police going to come banging on your door and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I was literally out there being a thought box if we want to be truthful here. That's That's what I was doing. And it's so unfortunate that... No, I'd say not not unfortunate. I'm so grateful that nothing happened to me. Come on. When I say God's protection is real, it's real in the field. Yes, it's real real in the field. Like He really has shielded me um, from some stuff. When I say those STDs, I probably should have had all of the above. Listen. But I thank God for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank God for Jesus. And I mean, just being able to say, you know what? I'm not going to deal with these people no more, God. I surrender my life to you, mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about the body part, that's what I'm saying, you know, my body and dealing with all these men and all these things I was putting into myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember that day where I said, God, I, I really truly surrender. And that meant not only do I surrender, um, the the physical as far as the sexual part but also mm-hmm. me um, masturbating and me watching yes. pornography i had to surrender that because that was the other little silent secret right. that i was going to take to my grave yeah the secret where you know people don't want to talk about we know it happens a lot in the church but i had to be bold enough to say hey yeah i used to i used to masturbate and right. yes i truthfully did watch pornography since i was a young child and it became more prevalent it became more awakened when i started having sex Mm -hmm. and i remember how i was like man no one talks about this stuff this is uncomfortable god but god gave me a piece say no you're gonna have to talk about it because there's gonna be other people who are gonna need to hear this because there's other people who are also struggling with this as well amen so what i appreciate about god is when i wrote my first book journey to freedom healing and wholeness there was a chapter dedicated to the vow, and I talked about me um, walking the celibacy walk, and it also meant that I had to let go of even that, mm-hmm. and I had to ask God to forgive me because even though I know He forgave me, I didn't forgive myself. Mm-hmm. So I had to ask Him to show me how to forgive me for even thinking that it was okay to do that. Right. Um, it has definitely been an amazing journey. So I think I've been. Celebrant, I would say I'm going on five years now. Praise, Praise God. God. We yes. thank God for his goodness Woo! and his greatness every single day. Yes. Every single day um, for it. And I had to be clear about that. Like my expectations are now um better than what they were when it comes to dating and interacting with mm-hmm. men. Like, yeah. no, you can't come over to my house. Why not? This is why you can't come <laughs> over to my house. What? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't have time for these type of shenanigans where I'm going to be caught up and then I have to start over. And granted, I'm not knocking anyone who has ever encountered that. But I know Mm -hmm. for me, this journey is real for me. And I know that I have a lot on the line. And I love God too much. And I'm going to make sure that I do the best that I can 
um, to honor the vow that I gave him because this isn't just me saying, oh God, I'm not going to do this. No, I made a vow to God Amen. that this is what I'm going to do moving forward. So I just thank God for just him having his hand on my life. And even in the midst of this last 10 years, I never thought I would have made it to this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be able to overcome the molestation, to mm -hmm. forgive the person who did it to me, mm -hmm. to now walking um, in ministry, having a ministry, um, being delivered from uh, the fornication, the, the yes. pornography and the masturbation, the yes. alcohol, the drugs. I mean, that is truly, when you can say God is a deliverer, yes. I'm a testament of that God truly is a deliverer. I mean, he he's truly has had his hand on my life, and I thank him every single day for it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because I just remember this thought. You know, the enemy has really been trying to be on literally on my back this entire last year. Hmm. And he would bring up things from my past, and he would, you know, try to remind me, like, oh, you remember that day when you did this, and then things would happen, and, you know, I'd be like, God, wait a minute, why am I thinking about this? Because hmm. I used to have dreams. Um, after I was molested and going through the process, I used to have these dreams that it would happen to me all over again, but I was now an adult and I'm like, God, why am I having dreams about this? I don't want, no, who wants to think about stuff like this? Right. So God, I reminded me that, you know, the enemy is going to do this, but now I have the tools. I have, mm -hmm. I now have the strength to now, um, go against the enemy and remind him that mm -hmm. he's a liar, mm -hmm. that I, that I'm amazing, that I'm a conqueror, that I'm a survivor mm -hmm. and that with God's right hand that I can do anything. Um, so I've just been really walking this walk with God over these last, uh, couple of years in the last decade, but I'm grateful that, um, he truly delivered me from a lot of things. Like he yeah. has exceeded my expectations. He has gone above and beyond. There's some things that God has done in this last decade that I sit back some days and it's like, wow, that really did happen. Like you really did shield me from that. Like you really did allow me to get through those two car accidents, car accidents back to back with no, you know, fractures, no broken bones. Like I was able to walk away from that stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't walk away from accidents, mm -hmm. but yet he, you know, he saw fit mm -hmm. and I'm just so grateful for where he's going to take not only me, but Erica in this next decade. So I'm excited. Um, I encourage you to, you know, spend this time to think about not only how far you've been, but like, where do you want to go in the future? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking forward to bitter, bigger and better and greater things that, you know, that God has. And, you know, in my church, we talk about this is the year of the open mouth. Mm -hmm. So I am decreeing and declaring that the healing is my portion, that freedom is my Amen. portion, that wholeness is my portion, you know, marriage is my portion, yes, financial freedom is my portion on, in the name of Jesus. Yes. You know, I'm going to have what I say. Yes. I'm going to be, you know, financially fit all around in Jesus Amen. name. So, you know, I, that's where I'm at now. Like I'm mm -hmm. excited. I'm encouraged. And every time the enemy just tries to come in and try to remind me of my past, mm -hmm. then I'm reminded of God's goodness and his greatness. So yes. I can, can, you know, defeat the enemy with God's word. Amen. So I'm just excited. I don't know I'm about excited. Erica. I'm excited too. I am excited. I mean, when you were speaking, I just heard sanctification yeah that is what i heard and yeah. i just felt like for for both of us that's yeah. what that that past decade represented yeah. for us just yeah. sanctification just Absolutely. god just really just coming in and doing a, a work on us Absolutely. just to remove the things that we cannot carry with us into the future that he has planned for us Absolutely. And so i'm excited um thank you so much for sharing thank you girl for sharing that yeah. was a lot wasn't it it was a lot <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> But, um, yes, so grateful. So, um, you guys, we are just, thank you. We want to thank, thank you guys you, thank you, thank so you. much for just tuning in and listening with us. Um, you've heard us kind of go back and take a look back at our last decade and also just share with you our hope and our vision of things mm -hmm. that God has for us in a decade ahead of us. So we'd like for you to take the opportunity to share with us. Yes, please share, share, share. Share not only with us, but share with your friends, share with your colleagues, your mama, your poppy, <laughs> your friends, your dog, anybody. Just share with us. We're just so excited. We really just love to share the love of Christ yes. with other people, but also just to, to be real and to be honest, to have talks talks that people necessarily do not want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I'm just glad that God has allowed both Erica and I to make it through the last decade. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The last decade, the last decade. 
And when you were talking about sanctification, Erica, I am definitely in agreement with that. God yes. has really sanctified us yes. for such a time as this. For such a time as yes. this. Come on. Yep. Mm. All right, guys. So how can the people keep in touch with us? Lord? Yes, yes, yes. You can follow us on our Facebook and our Instagram page at Journey Heart to Heart. You can also email us at journeyhearttoheartpodcast at gmail.com. We are so excited. We are officially done with episode two. Woo! Yes. Yes. Praise God. You know, stay tuned. We have another couple more amazing episodes coming up soon. Just All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode. Thanks, everyone. Again, this is Larisha, and we just pray that you really enjoyed this last episode where we just look back over the last 10 years of our lives. So we just want to pray that as you move forward, you begin to think about, you know, where God is leading you, but also using a moment to reflect back over the last 10 years. But we just pray that as we move forward, that you would just continue this journey with us. And um, you can stay connected with us through our Facebook, our Instagram page at Journey Heart to Heart, or you can email us at journeyhearttoheartpodcast at gmail.com. We release uh, new episodes every first and third Thursday, and you're able to stream those episodes on the Anchor app or through Google Podcasts or even Spotify. So that's Journey Heart to Heart.